Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell. I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs and I've been in business since 1994. Today we're going to talk a little bit about getting stronger. And if you're not getting stronger, you're not getting stronger. Doesn't that sound like a yogi-ism? Before I get to that, let me thank Jonathan and Lynn Gilden of the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They currently have over 280, 280, that's a lot, five-star reviews on Zillow. Jonathan holds a degree from, in real estate from Florida State, and Lynn has her master's degree in business. They're doing what they set out to do, and that makes them consummate professionals. If you need help with real estate, give them a shout at thegildengroup.com. If you're not getting stronger, you are not getting stronger. So what do I mean by that? Do you know the old saying, winning isn't the Winning isn't everything, it's the only thing that is given credit to Bear Bryant, the famous coach from Alabama. So really what he said was winning wasn't everything, it's the only thing. What he said was the will to win is his exact words. So it gets kind of misconstrued a little bit. Not that it overly matters, but it, it kind of does. It does in the sense that we can't control winning all the time, right? Like in team sports, in individual sports, I mean, you have opponents and you have no control over or very little control over who actually wins but you have absolute control over playing your best and the will to win so that's what he meant by that and his belief system was that if you strove to win if you had more desire to win your event more than your opponent and work towards that then more times than not you most likely will win but we don't have complete control over our opponents. So again, I think I have made the point that it was the will to win that mattered. So bringing this into what I do as a performance coach, so to say, personal trainer or whatever we want to call it. Um, you know, I think I've said in previous podcasts that you know, I kind of like the term coach a little bit better for the industry because trainer implies that if you like reward behavior enough, which is true, then people will follow through and do what you want them to do. And if you don't reward enough, if there's consequences, then the person will steer away from the behavior of trying to change. So that's like more of a classical conditioning type thing, or actually that's operant conditioning, but it's conditioning nonetheless, which means that you become more masters of manipulating behavior change than trying to coach behavior change. So 
you know, coaching's a little bit different, and I think coaching is maybe a little more of an appropriate term for what we do because we, and when I say we, I mean the team here, Ellen and I and Angelica when she works here and any other trainer that I've had through the years, you know, I, I teach them to educate people, to give them the tools that they need so they know what they're doing. And I think that's very important. I don't like, you know, I love animals, don't get me wrong. But when they say, you know, it's like training is like training seals, it's like, yeah, I mean, or training, you know, like a dog trainer, they do it with treats. And don't get me wrong, I'm a huge animal lover. And I'm not trying to uh, say that the way we train animals is bad or anything, because, you know, the consequences and the rewards, you know, work very well with that. But we're supposed to have, supposed to, you know, air quote, supposed to. I don't think all of us act like we have higher brains sometimes. We're supposed to be able to think through and make choices based on the information that we know of versus just always responding to stimulus and response. So I like to at least go into it thinking that that's the case. And I think in most cases it is, but in any event, I like to coach people. So a coaching tip with using your training, whether you work with a trainer or you work by yourself, is to always strive to get better. Like, that's the key. Striving for it. Like, no way around it, but striving for it. And it's easy to cop out and come up with reasons why we don't want to, but striving for it is key. So as I said, if you're not getting stronger, you're not getting stronger. When I said yogiism, I don't know if everybody listening is old enough to know what that means, but basically Yogi Berra was famous for saying things that uh, made no sense, but then made complete sense. You know, he just had the yogiisms and he would say like, winning is 90% half everything or something like that. No, winning is half everything. Oh gosh, I'm butchering it. I sound like a former president here. Um, anyway, so I'm probably going to get in trouble for that last comment I made, but you know what? It could be any president, so whatever. So, but he would say things that just were like, uh, you know, silly, but made complete sense. Now it's going to really bug me what his famous saying about winning was. Um, but in any event, so yogiisms like were made little sense, but made complete sense. And um, I just butchered it. In any event, if you're not getting stronger, you're not getting stronger. So what that means is that there's no way around it that if you're going to strength train, then really your ultimate objective is to get stronger. Now, it depends on like what you're trying to get stronger at, of course, but the objective is still to get stronger. I mean, for young kids who want to do well on their, uh, you know, their combines for specific sports and their coaches have bench press motives that they need them to hit and, and objectives that they need them to hit, then maybe that strength could be a one rep max. Or if you're in the CrossFit and they have to do so many um, clean and jerks or power cleans, then that is another objective to get stronger. 
But if you're working on your ADLs, activities of daily living, you are still striving to get stronger, meaning that the, the activities might be more specific to what you do. For example, you might not be worried about a one rep max barbell squat like a high school athlete is concerned, but you are concerned with a squat, meaning whether you're using dumbbells or bands or, or barbells or Smith machines or whatever, if you're not getting stronger, you're not getting stronger. If you're not getting stronger, you're not improving your ADLs. So like if it's a struggle for you to get out of a chair, that's a squat. But then through time, you're able to do 10 reps coming out of a chair, you've improved. Now, if you're able to do 10 reps getting out of a chair, holding 10 pound dumbbells, you're now stronger. And now getting up out of the chair without any load is gonna be far easier. If you get to a point where you can no longer go up in weight, you're not getting stronger, all right? Is that the end of the world? No, we always peak. I've yet to meet an individual who peaked. When I was younger, in my 20s, I was very concerned with the, uh, you know, the strength parameters that most young guys are, so squat and bench press specifically. And I remember I benched up to, I believe it was 365 pounds. I was 170 pounds at the time. I was strong, but I peaked. I never went beyond that. My squat, I can't remember. It was close to 500 pounds. I mean, I'm not bragging here. I just was pretty strong, um, but I peaked. I mean, I peaked. We all peak. I know. I don't know anybody that's never peaked. I, you know, people could say, well, certain people have taken drugs. It's like, yeah, and they peaked. I mean, everybody is going to peak. That doesn't mean you quit trying though. That means you keep striving to get better. You may not get any stronger, but if you keep striving to get better, you're maintaining your strength at the very least. And guess what? Every month that goes by turns into a year. Every year that goes by and you're maintaining that strength, you technically are getting stronger. That's why there is there is different parameters for different age groups. So like if you bench press 200 pounds, I'm just using the bench press. I mean, they're just, I only do that because there's so many measurable numbers out there for it in all of the textbooks and squats as well. So if you can bench press 200 pounds for a 20 year old, that's not overly impressive in the world of strength and fitness. Now, if you've maintained that into your 40s, now it's like, oh, that you know what? That's pretty good. You went from the 50th percentile to, my guess is, 200. I looked that up before, actually, because a client did it. That is in the 90th percentile. And now you hold that 200-pound bench press at 50. You're talking 95th percentile. You hit 60. Now you're in the 99th percentile. So, yeah, you didn't technically get stronger for you, but you kind of did because you aged and there's a natural somewhat muscle decline. But if you keep working out, it's not going to decline. So you always need to strive. We keep charts here and we keep reps and weight in the charts. And over time, it's not going to be every time. And sometimes there are workouts to where it's good to change the rep scheme a little bit um, and you know what I just saw a squirrel now what I did do though is I just remembered absolutely the term 
winning is 90% half mental. There it is, 90% half mental. I had it in my head. I was like, uh, got to get it out now. That way I didn't butcher poor Yogi Berra's uh, famous saying. So we always should strive. And there are times, as I was saying, that when the reps are a little bit higher, we're not going to use as much load as we used if the reps were lower. And those are doing like high rep days versus low rep days. But it's still better for that day. And we're striving for it. And, um, and there are times when we want to use some periodization, which means varying the reps and varying the weight, where we are having, say, lighter days. But lighter days don't mean easier days. They mean actually lighter days, if you talk to anybody, is harder, in my opinion. I think most people, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but most people would say doing 20 reps to failure is far harder than doing five reps to failure. I mean, number one, the five reps is over so much sooner. And number two, the lactic acid buildup at five reps is marginal at best. At 20, it's maximal, which lactic acid is acid. It burns and your heart rate's higher. I mean, going high reps to failure is probably the hardest thing you can do in a gym. And it's got its place. It's better for muscular endurance. It's great for hypertrophy. So it makes sense to do that. So there are times that you go to the gym and you go, well, I'm not going to do the most weight I've ever done, regardless of what that is. And I'll clean that up in a little bit. But you're going to do maybe the most weight you've done for that rep range. That is still striving to get better, as long as we're always aiming towards it. Now, we like to use organized plans here. I mean, as I've said before, they don't have to be perfect plans because there's really no such thing. I mean, we plan it out as detailed as possible and we understand that life happens. So when we do that, we try to increase a little bit over time and that's called progressive overload. So when we get a client and we take them through kind of their first assessment where we determine how strong they are in the different exercises and areas that they need, you know, we might set the certain weight, let's just say at 50 pounds on a uh, seated row. You know, we look at that, okay, seated row, they can do 12 reps at 50 pounds. Now, we might increase, I say might, because it is a little bit different with everybody. You're gonna either increase the reps or you're going to increase the load on a regular basis. And once you hit a certain rep ceiling, then you increase the load. But let's say the next time they come in and they do 14 reps at 50 pounds and everything stays the same, meaning their form is just as good, then we go up by 10%, which would be five pounds. And then we go up to 55 pounds next time. So we're always striving to get better. You know, uh, one of the things clients will say, and I know that they just don't understand, and they don't have to understand everything. I mean, that's, you know, why we're here. But they'll say, well, when is this going to get easier? Now, well, it's not going to get easier. I mean, you don't want it to get easier. Now, if we go back to use your original weight when you first came in the gym and you feel that it's easy, that's a good lesson for you. And I do that with people sometimes. Um, I'll say, you know, so my... Uh, client, Dr. Gary, Gary Frick, he was a guest on the show, you know, the other day he did, uh, what, what did he do? He did 14 reps at 95 pounds on the bench press. You know, he loves to bench press and that's fine. 
Um, and I and I do tend to do you know moderately moderate reps with people and myself with that. I don't feel the need in doing super low reps um, to get stronger. I mean, studies have shown we don't have to, but I still strive to use the maximal load that I can use in moderate reps. And moderate reps are like six to twelve because um, we still want to get stronger. But in any event, he did sets of fourteen reps at ninety five pounds, and I said to him, so do you realize you used to not be able to do this one time? And he was blown away because, you know, people forget. And he absolutely was not able to bench press 95 pounds at one point. So, you know, we would start with literally the bar and fives on it, which is 55 pounds. So if he did that, you know, I mean, I guess I should do that just to say, what does this feel like to you? He'd be like, well, what what is this? Like, are you going to put weight on it? And I say that would be the way it used to do for 12 reps. And it'd be hard for him to believe because he's using, you know, what, double the weight. And that was pretty easy for him the other day. We've gone a lot heavier. And Gary is one that has benched close to 200 pounds for his age group. And he has benched his weight, which puts him in the top 99% for 50-year-olds benching your body weight. So, and that's an important goal because it makes him feel good about himself. So it's important that every time we train, and this is the coaching factor, this is the, you know, you want to know the exercise physiology thing, okay, I'll tell you. So as we get stronger, what ends up happening is first we improve our neurological adaptation, which is recruitment. Our body gets better at recruiting all of the fast switch muscle fibers. That's called a neurological adaptation. The second is what is called a morphological adaptation. So as we're pushing ourselves to fatigue, our muscles are going through what's called hypertrophy. That means each individual muscle fiber splits and repairs and comes back bigger. So when you combine muscular hypertrophy with neurological adaptations of increased recruitment, you're going to be stronger. There, boom, bang, boom. There's your physiology. But does it matter? I mean, the coaching aspect says that if you want to get better, then we have to strive to be better. If we don't, we're just staying the same. And if we're just staying the same, we're not growing. And as some people have said, if you're not growing, you're dying. So why don't we just always strive? And it's really the same thing for cardio. Now I get it, we have to, we have to figure out ways where we can train maximally and still get recovery. I get it, we can't kill ourselves every day. But we have to figure out what our body can take and go just to that line if we seriously want to improve. So today's Wednesday. It's a little bit of a um, cardio day for me. And I like to do different things. And I know what I've done. So I'm striving to get better. If I'm not striving to get better, I'm not getting better. So I do a little warm-up on the recumbent bike. And then I get on my Concept 2 bike because it is variable resistance, meaning the harder I pedal, the more watts it gives me. So watts are an absolute metric that I can use, we all can use to know if we're getting better. If the average watts aren't going up, we're not getting more cardiorespiratorily fit. So I know what I did last time. I know my numbers in 10 minutes because I do different bursts. So I did 10 minutes of build, meaning starting out one pace and picking it up near maximally towards the end. And I was like one average watt away from beating my last time. And I had 10 seconds to do it. I'm like, ah, shit. 
you know, is this going to be close? I can bust my ass in 10 seconds and give it one more burst and get over it. Or I can just, you know, put my head down and go, oh, I tried. Well, I didn't try if it didn't go all out. So I did and I hit it by one watt. All right. And I'm not telling you what these watts are because I want you to compete with yourself and not with anybody else because that's not the point. And then I went over to the row machine, the concept to row, same principle because I like machines that are variable resistance because they give me absolutely something I can measure. And I got on there and I knew how many meters I went in 10 minutes last time. I'm like, oh, this is, you know, it's getting tight now because I'm near maximum. I haven't peaked yet, but man, it's getting tight. And the tighter it gets, the more work it's going to take for me to get there. So again, I pushed and I, I hit it. I hit it by about 25 meters. I'm like, ah, oh, good, good. You know, it's actually a little easier than the bike for some reason. Um, and then I did a 10 minute run, you know, like, 10 minutes. Yeah. 10 minutes, 10 minutes of quality, 10 minutes of build. And I wanted to get a little bit further in mileage and we're talking barely, you know, I don't want to, you know, uh, uh, misinform you here, but like just a little bit further in 10 minutes than I went last time. And I did. And then I cooled down. So that was 30 minutes of pretty intense cardio with warm up in the beginning and then cool down. But the point is during those segments, I pushed because it's the same concept. If we're not getting stronger, we're not getting stronger. Now, tomorrow, I need to recover a little bit, right? There's no need to try to push that. Now I work on other things. Tomorrow, actually, I work on strength. So we call that active rest when we're doing other types of activities that rest one system while working another. So again, I don't want you to think you have to kill yourself every time, but if you're doing those type of cardio workouts like I did today, three times a week and really striving to get better and you're doing other things, albeit easier or cross training in between, you're going to be fine. And again, there's this podcast isn't about how to make the perfect schedule of rest and recovery. I've covered that before and I will cover that again. But the whole point of this is when you train to get better, you have to train to get better. When your objective in that workout is to get better, which should be most of your workouts, then you need to strive to get better, all right? Speaking of getting better, there's absolutely no better garage door company in Florida than Overhead Door, and we are fortunate enough to have our local branch here owned by Jeffrey and Zach Hawk. I've known Jeff for 30 years. He is a true professional as well, just like the Gildan Group, and now his son is his general manager, and they do a phenomenal job. Just yesterday, Zach knew that we were hurting for a... Uh, um, what do you call them? Remote, remote control for the garage door. And, uh, you know, he just brought us one. He goes, here you go. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. I mean, you, that's just phenomenal customer service right there. So if you need help with that, they can be reached at overheaddoordaytona.com.